Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm your host, Sky Guasco. You are listening to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore tckpod and on Twitter at tck underscore pod. You can find all of our rankings and multiple articles at tckpod.com. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. Welcome to Championship Week in your fantasy league my name is Dweez Nuts, all Z's, no S's, find me on Twitter. You are listening to the TCK Pod, aka the Candlestick Kids Podcast, episode 331, here on a Tuesday. That means it is our stat rat episode going into championship week. You'll go find Sky and the TCK Pod at TCK underscore pod on Twitter at fantasyfootball underscore TCK Pod on Instagram where he really lives. Check out what's going on at TCKPod.com. New episodes of this podcast, five days a week, fresh content, a live session on Sunday, an hour before kickoffs with the man himself, Sky Guasco. Again, I'm Dewey's Nuts, and I'm going to run you through some deep dives on some statistical information. I hate it when people say, hey, but he's wide receiver 12 on the season. That doesn't mean anything to me. I want to know what's going on in individual situations so that I can get a better picture of what's really happening. I don't care that Amari Cooper finishes top 14, whatever it is, every season. He's not a guy I want to own. And I know that because I dig deep. I look in the week over weeks. I look in situational play, what's actually happening on the team. So that's what we do here on StatRat. We dive deep. Now, we're right about at the end of the fantasy season. Most of the people listening here are no longer playing. If you're anything like me, look, I was in seven semifinal matchups last week. And I uh, I started Derek Carr in four of them. So it looks like I might be in three finals. I guess we'll see. Um, I need some stuff to go down in, in the uh, Pittsburgh game tonight to make it in one or two of them. But a disappointing week. The point is, you're probably not in the finals in your league either. So for many of us, it's time to start looking forward to next season. And that's kind of what I want to start doing over the next few episodes of this show. I want to look to next season. Okay, so specifically, I'm going to be talking to keeper league owners out there. I'm going to be talking to redraft owners out there, um, even if you don't have keeper leagues. And I want to look at young players. I'm going to look at the rookies from this year at each position. I'll break down a bunch of different statistical categories to tell you how these guys actually finished and how they're priming themselves up for next year. What are the cheap deal keeper rookies you can pick up now so that you have them at keeper time and what are those that should be at the top of your list going into next year's draft we're close enough to the offseason we get to start doing this stuff Um, offseason fantasy analysis is fun guys because you can't be wrong for eight or nine months right it's harder for people to call you out on it so that's what we're going to do today 
we're going to look at the wide receivers, the rookie wide receivers from 2020. First of all, this was a great class. Okay, we expected some really good names to come out of this class, and we were not disappointed. Um, there were some absolute fucking studs, but there were also some uh, diamonds in the rough that you might be able to find if you dig deep. That's what we're going to try to do today. So I'm going to look at five different st- st- statistical categories for these rookie wide receivers, tell you who's at the top of the list in each of these categories, and then I'll give you some conclusions that you might be able to draw from these lists. Feel free to make your own conclusions as well. I'll give you the numbers. Um, the first thing I want to do is just look over the last four games. I'm going to do two different categories over the last four games. So what's going on on this team lately, right? With rookies, especially at the wide receiver position, beginning of the year is really difficult. But here near the end, the guys that are going to be good in the next year or two uh, are starting to get it now. They've learned the offense. They've figured out some of these different read routes. Uh, they're, they're playing well, clicking with their quarterback. So that's what I want to do. First off, real simple, let's look at the last four games and the targets per game that each of these rookie wide receivers are pulling down. Okay, If you're not getting targeted, you're not scoring fantasy points. So here's the list. Um, I set my number at four. Here are all the rookie wide receivers doing better than four targets per game. At the very top of the list over the past four games, Brandon Ayuk is averaging 13 fucking targets per game, guys. That is a stupid number of targets. Even more than second on the list, Justin Jefferson at 11. T. Higgins comes in. At seven, he is playing tonight, so that number might change a little bit. Let's see what happens. Chase Claypool right behind him. Six targets per game over the last four, also playing tonight, so let's watch that. CeeDee Lamb and LaVisca Chenault also look at six targets per game over the last four. Um, Then we've got Darnell Mooney and Michael Pittman coming in at five and a half behind that. Gabriel Davis, Jalen Rager each have five targets per game over the last four. Uh, and finally, Colin Johnson's the only other one over four. He's got four and a half targets per game. And I, I want to put him on this list specifically because he only had one in that ridiculous blowout game this past week against the Baltimore Ravens. So that number would be higher otherwise. Uh, now let's look at, uh, forget about target opportunity. Let's look at snap opportunity because we want to see these guys getting on the field more often. So over the last four, here is a list of rookie receivers with better than 75% snap share. Gabriel Davis is number one. 92% of the time he's on the field. Justin Jefferson and T. Higgins both at 91%. That number has come up significantly for Higgins in the last handful of weeks. Brandon Ayuk at 89%. Michael Pittman and Denzel Mims back from injury. Both sitting at 87% snap share over the last four. And the only other guy over 75 is Darnell Mooney. 81% of the time he is on the field Outsnapping Anthony Miller, so he has taken over that role there. So that's opportunity over the last four. One other opportunity metric I wanted to look at here was red zone targets. Really important that you got your 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 guy has an opportunity to score. So I want to look at red zone targets inside the 20 and red zone targets inside the 10. This is going to be over the course of the entire season. Um, so right at the top of the list here, Brandon Ayuk has the most red zone targets of all these rookies, 14 Ten of those came from inside the 10-yard line, guys. Gabriel Davis, second on the list. Ten red zone targets, six of them from inside the 10. Chase Claypool at nine red zone and six 10-zone targets. Then comes that stud Justin Jefferson, eight and six from inside the 10 himself. CeeDee Lamb matches those numbers, eight red zone targets, six inside the 10. Uh, The next four guys, T. Higgins, Darnell Moody, Michael Pittman, and LaVisca Chenault all have... 
eight red zone targets. They vary at the 10 zone, though. Higgins is sitting at five, Mooney at four, Pittman only two 10 zone targets, and LaVisca Chenault just has the one, probably because that team is never in scoring position. But those are the opportunity metrics, either over the last four games or in the red zone all year, that we can look at for these rookie wide receivers. These are the guys that are giving us opportunities to, to catch balls, opportunities on the field to run routes, and opportunities to score touchdowns, which are all important. We can expect most of these numbers to increase or improve as they get better going into next season. They'll actually have an offseason, maybe? Maybe. Um, so at the very least, we hope these numbers stay right where they're at starting out next season, uh, eventually go up from there, and uh, opportunity abounds for these young kids. Let's look at a couple of performance metrics now because opportunity means nothing if you're not producing with that opportunity. The first one I want to look at here is a stat category that I brought up several weeks ago for wide receivers. It is the passer rating when targeted. Okay, So if you make your quarterback look good, if you make his job easier, you as a wide receiver are going to get more opportunities moving forward. So I love to look at the passer rating when targeted stat. When quarterbacks throw to these guys, what does their passer rating look like? Before I give you the number, I want to say the average passer rating in the league right now for quarterbacks is 94. All right, 94. So I looked at wide, rookie wide receivers who have a better than 94 passer rating for their quarterbacks when they're targeted. Those are the only guys we're looking at right now on this list. Top of the list, and this one makes sense, it's Chase Claypool. 116.4 is the passer rating for Big Ben when he's throwing at him. Of course it is. This guy is absolutely the size of a house. Talk about making your job easier for your quarterback, making your quarterback's job easier. Just be bigger than everybody. That's Chase Claypool's uh, strategy. Now, he's sitting at a 116.4 when targeted by Big Ben, and Big Ben on the season is at a 95, so that's a significant bump over the average pass attempt from Ben. Next up is Justin Jefferson, 115.4 is a passer rating there. Kirk Cousins' overall rating is a 102.4, though, so it's seven points higher than Big Ben, so while he's still over his quarterback's typical passer rating number, it's not quite as high. Gabriel Davis, number three on this list, 109.4. That's the passer rating when he's targeted. Josh Allen sitting at a 104.2, though, over the course of the whole season. So again, it is higher, and a 109.4 is really solid. Gabriel Davis is per performing as a nice target for Josh Allen, but the spread between Davis's passer rating and the rest of Josh Allen's passer rating is only about five. Uh, T. Higgins at a 103.4. Now his average passer rating uh, I, I'm looking at Burrow here, and I know Burrow has not played the entire season, but he played the bulk of it. It was at an 89.8. So going from 89.8 for every pass thrown to a 103.4 when you target Higgins means this is the guy that, you know, in tough situations you're probably looking at as the quarterback because you know he's going to make you look good. He's going to make your job easier. CeeDee Lamb at a 101.7. Again, I looked at Andy Dalton here who has the most game as played for the team. 85.6 is his passer rating so again a big jump when throwing to a guy like cd lamb those underneath routes nice target there quintez cephas comes in next here 100.6 passer rating when targeted for stafford whose season long sits at a 95.3 so a five point jump there two other guys went over the league average 94 michael pittman when philip rivers targets michael pittman rivers passer rating is a 97.8 which is nice. It's over the league average. But 
Philip Rivers' passer rating on the season is a 99. So, when looking at Pittman, it's actually worse than his overall on the season. Not great. Not great. Kind of disappointing from my guy. I fucking loved Michael Pittman going in. Kind of disappointing. The only other guy here is Colin Johnson. 95.1 passer rating when targeted. However, his quarterback's at 95.9. So, again, slight decline there. Not that big of a deal. You want guys that make their quarterbacks' jobs easier because they'll throw it to him more often. They'll throw it to him when it counts. Okay, so those are your rookies there. The last metric I want to look at here is a Rotoviz measure, uh, and the the category is simply called fantasy points over expected. So what Rotoviz does with their fantasy algorithm is they look at the team this guy's on. They look at the number of targets, type of targets. This guy's getting, they look at the other receivers on the team, the quarterback on the team, how many points that team scores. They look at a lot of things and they decide, hey, this guy should be scoring blank fantasy points on the year. And then they simply take that plus or minus the actual production on the year to say, hey, this guy is doing better than he should be doing. Okay, I only looked at rookie wide receivers who are scoring a positive in this category. They're scoring more fantasy points than they are expected to score based on Rotoviz's algorithm. Right at the top, not a surprise, Justin Jefferson scored about 65 points more than expected. Tyron Johnson comes in at second here with a 30.1, but the volume is so low that it's hard to mention this guy anywhere else. Number three on this list, Gabriel Davis. Once again, 24.2 points more than expected. DPJ Donovan Peoples-Jones at 23.4 over expected. And we're at Chase Claypool again on these lists, 18.9 points more than expected. T. Higgins, 13.1 over expected. CeeDee Lamb shows up again at a 10.5 points over expected. Now we're getting pretty close to what the algorithm says these guys should score, but Freddie Swain over the limit, 6.8 with a few touchdowns. LaVisca Chenault at a 5.1 over expected. Tyler Johnson, 4.8. Colin Johnson, 3.3. And Quintez Cephas rounds out the list here with 2.4 more fantasy points than expected. You see a huge jump. Justin Jefferson at 65, the very next best at 30. Jefferson's a goddamn stud. So those are the categories I want to break down. Here are some conclusions that I draw looking at this list, these lists. You can draw whatever conclusion you want, make whatever determinations you need to, but here are six conclusions that I draw from these statistical categories and how these rookies break down on this list. Justin Jefferson is a fucking stupid good wide receiver in a stupid good situation. Uh, yeah, I said it several times going into the draft and coming out of the draft. He should have been the best rookie receiver production-wise this year. And guess what, guys? He is He's amazing. He's amazing. You're not going to go get him to keep him anywhere, but he is exactly what some of us thought he could be. Second conclusion is is this. There's only three guys that show up on all five of these lists. Only three guys that are at the top in all five of these statistical categories. Justin Jefferson, obviously. T. Higgins, which is really nice because A.J. Green's leaving this team next year, and Higgins has set himself up really nicely to absolutely take a big chunk of what he's done there. When his quarterback maybe comes back next year, Joe Burrow, um, I'm not sure, but T. Higgins could be very fucking good. And the third guy that shows up in all these lists is Gabriel Davis. Now, Gabriel Davis is probably not somebody that was on your radar going into this season. Might not still be on your radar, honestly. This is a guy that in Yahoo Leagues is 9% owned. 
So if you are in a league where you get to keep a guy in the 12th round or later, you get to keep a guy, but only if he was a waiver wire pickup. Gabriel Davis might be worth picking up. He, he it, it is possible that he's just a product of his offense right now and Josh Allen playing out of his mind. It's possible that John Brown's injuries are absolutely helping this kid. But he has... He has absolutely proven to his coaching staff and his quarterback that when he they have to rely on him, they can. And as a rookie, especially as a rookie who was not slated to come into a starting role, that's all you can do. Gabriel Davis has set himself up to be a really solid sleeper option as a keeper or even as a draft pick next year. Go trade for him in your dynasty leagues, guys. This guy might be real solid, real productive, Real steady moving forward. Brandon Ayuk took advantage of his opportunities. We know that Debo Samuel is the guy that they want to be the stud on this team, but Ayuk more and more, whenever he's healthy, is proving that he is reliable. I mean, shit. Ayuk showed up at the top of two of these lists, guys. 14 red zone targets and the most targets per game over the last four games. This is on a running first team. Go pick up some Brandon Ayuk. Much more owned than a guy like Gabriel Davis, so you might have to trade for him, but consider doing it. Another conclusion I draw here is that Chase Claypool is absolutely ready to be a stud when they're ready to use him, like they should be using him on the team. Real frustrating watching the Pittsburgh Steelers this year. Even as they pass the ball more than anybody else in the league, they insist on throwing it to Deontay Johnson all day, and that dude drops the ball and drops the ball and drops the ball and fumbles the ball even when he catches it. He's got to go. They insist on throwing it a couple of yards down the field. The only list that Chase Claypool did not show up on in these statistical categories was the snap share list. He's on the field less than 75%, although he is absolutely productive as shit and If the coaching staff, Mike Tomlin, figures this out and uses this guy the way that he can be used, he's got the potential for 15 touchdowns. He's got the potential for a lot of big plays, somebody you should want on your roster. We have some disappointments so far. Obviously, Jerry Judy has been very disappointing if you drafted him early. Again, this offense hasn't been good. We've had quarterback issues, but Jerry Judy just has not been getting it done when he's getting the opportunity, you know that if you drafted him. Henry Ruggs has been injured in and out, but again, we knew that it was a bad situation going in with the Raiders. Ruggs didn't show up on a single list here. And Michael Pittman, even though he's getting some opportunity, and he is popping up here and there on some of these lists, he's been really disappointing to me. He was my second favorite receiver coming into this season in that rookie class. And uh, I have him everywhere that I can keep him in every dynasty league, but I'm considering trying to move him because he's been a little bit disappointing. Let's see what happens at quarterback on that team next year, but I'm not sure Michael Pittman is who I thought he was going to be. A couple potential sleepers that you might want for keepers moving forward. Um, all, All hanging desperately on the quarterback play next season. Um, Darnell Mooney is hard to... I'm a Bears fan, and I've watched a lot of Bears games. And Darnell Mooney looks as good as anybody running routes. He can get open against any coverage, any team, and he's electric with the ball. They just can't get it to him. So pending quarterback play there, Darnell Mooney might be fucking great. LaVisca Chenault showing up on some of these lists, and you know what's happened there 
Mike Glennon, Gardner, we've had people, quarterbacks benched and benched and uh, it's just not working. So should they end up with that first overall pick? Should they go get Trevor Lawrence? LaVisca Chenault, they, they want to use him. Could be real nice. CeeDee Lamb has proven to me that he can absolutely be the caliber of player that Justin Jefferson was this year. Going to need to see Dak back on this team or whatever they do at quarterback is going to have to be significantly improved, as is the offensive line if you want him. He just did not show up on enough of these lists, but it's a product, I believe, of that offense. So there it is, breaking down the rookie wide receivers, what I think about what they've done so far, some of the deep dive statistical information you need. Next week, we'll do running backs. We'll continue to do this series a little bit to give you a head start going into next season. For now, Dewey's Nuts, All Z's, No S's, find me at Twitter under the same handle. This is a TCK pod. Uh, This has been a Stat Rat episode. If you're in that championship, good luck. I'll talk to you all next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.